Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today, we welcome Mark Kenny. Hi, Mark. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing great. Welcome, Mark. And uh, Mark is a seasoned real estate investor, best-selling author, entrepreneur, and founder of Think Multifamily. Mark started his career over 20 years ago and has extensive experience in property valuation, acquisition, and operations. And Mark has invested over 2,000 units and has a top-notch reputation among the multifamily investment community for providing exceptional value to investors and the community by while being easy to work with. And he now teaches others uh, how to invest in multifamily, including an educational group, which uh, just started uh, back in October. Mark is a 1993 graduate at Michigan State University in accounting and is a CPA and has provided IT consulting for 20 years and now leverages his vast IT experience to bring new creative technologies that will help others in the multifamily space. Wow, you have it covered. This is amazing. Yeah, I didn't know I put my year in there. Now everyone knows how old I am. Ah, <laughs> I graduated when I was 12. That's it. So that's it. You know, Doogie Hauser. Yeah, that's it. So right. anyway, we have the video right. on right here. So yeah, he's got right. the scope. But well, welcome. Just thanks. Just a great story here. We, we'd love to get a little more context. How did you get started in real estate? So I grew up one of seven kids. I uh, really didn't have a lot growing up, to say the least. We had, you know, people way off, worse off than us. We had, we had food, and we had a place to live, which is, you know, which is great. But anything above that, we really didn't have. So, I had a lot of kind of embarrassing times growing up. I remember my dad had a 1969 bug, VW bug that was primer, that kind of reddish, pinkish color, and he'd be driving by. My brother and I, twin brother, would be like past girls were like, oh my gosh, we go down in our seat, you know. So. I had a lot of those moments growing up um, and it was kind of like, you know, I don't want to go through that with my kids. And we, my parents are not entrepreneurs at all. And nobody in my family was my twin brother and I actually really had a big heart to like do something more. But so in college, I went to college, you mentioned CPA and started looking at properties when I was a senior in college. Had my first accepted offer when I was 21, just on a, on a duplex. Wow. And, uh, and then my dad talked me out of it. <laughs> so I remember where I was sitting. I was sitting in the Hardee's in Michigan. And, and um, my dad just like, I came to the conclusion it didn't matter what the deal was. No deal on the planet was good enough for him price-wise. And he, he wasn't even an investor, but I, I value his opinion. So after that, I'm like, man, I'm going to look at properties and not take my dad with me anymore. And I stopped taking him with me. And bought a property that was a complete, basically, gut job and told him after I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, so kind of fell into it somewhat. I always loved real estate and didn't, I don't know why. And knew that I didn't want to do the corporate world thing for my whole, my whole career. Uh, you know, what's amazing there is that, so you talk about your background, but a lot of people are just so scared to get started. And here you are 21, you're in college, you have your dad telling you no, and still you go on and do it. I, what, what is something that, that can what sets apart to allow you to do that? Like what was something in your mind? Was it just that you just, you were so focused on making change or? Yeah. I mean, truthfully it was, it was really more, I was so fearful of not having money Okay. and it's a bad thing. Right. I mean, you know, I still struggle with now. It's like, well, why do you still struggle with it? I don't know. It's something, one of those things, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't put trust in God and, and, and not struggle with that. But the fact is I was so fearful of not having money to support a family when I got older and, see my dad that worked his butt off and, and you come home and 
you know, work on cars that are broken. He would spend two hours fixing a toaster. Like, go buy a toaster for $15, you know? But no, he would do that. You know, I didn't want to have that growing up. And my mom helped us with that. She's like, yeah, you need to, you need to try to do more. And I have seven kids, and I'm really the only one out doing my own thing, really. Um, so I drive, I guess. What does your twin brother do? He, does he not? So he, he, we started together. And then his, he got married. His wife didn't want anything to do with real estate. So we, he, we kind of dissolved that. But he's IT, like I was. Got it. So, and he's CPA as well, like me. So pretty. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But your parents, I'm sure are proud that that's uh, pretty active, even for the two of you right there. Amazing. Yeah. And we helped each other. I mean, we kind of were able to encourage each other to do things and we always had a good relationship. We fought a lot, but uh, we loved each other and helped each other. So like we were talking about, you started at 21, just kind of jumped in. So how did you learn or did somebody help you take the steps to becoming the investor you are today? Yeah. So we, uh, so we, you know, the financial background definitely helped. I mean, it's not the only thing. The thing I kind of really lacked was the understanding, you know, raising money from other people. But I had a guy um, that both my brother and I really, really liked that was a commercial real estate guy in our hometown. He was really the only commercial real estate guy. And he kind of took a liking to us and we were young guys and he was probably in his fifties at the time. And he taught us a lot and really encouraged us. And we bought, I think like six properties from him in a couple year period of time. And, uh, but that was with my brother and myself. We started raising money. We joined some other groups here and there that kind of helped a little bit more on raising money. But the biggest thing I concluded you know, that I didn't have very good on the, on the IT side. I was really good. I had to go to different projects and meet people, but I really didn't have the, I didn't really care that much about people's pers uh, personal life, frankly. I didn't. I never got into, you know, they have wife and kids and, you know, so it was kind of one of those things I didn't take the time to really understand people. And now with real estate, my whole goal is to, it's not to get money from people. It really isn't. We can get money enough to do things, but it's to understand people, what their goals are. Maybe we can help them. Maybe we can't. I refer people to other people, self-storage, mobile home parks. I have people in that, in that industry too. So that was a big kind of 180 for me. And uh, people that knew me from before doing IT are like, who are you? You know, it's like, you're, you're totally different. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm happier too. I have a lot more friends now. I really <laughs> do. It's been great. It's amazing when you start to care about uh, yeah. the nuances of people. That's right. People. It is. It really is. Yeah, I love that. At a certain point, it just becomes money and becomes a, a shutoff valve, but that's right. an incredible point. If you can understand what people want, because especially in, in raising money, you, you want it to be the best option for everyone. And if you don't understand what they're looking for, even if it's a slam dunk deal, it may be outside yes. of their threshold for risk tolerance, or it might not be the right time for the whole pattern. There's just so many different levels there that could make something that seems to you like the best investment really just not even be in the ballpark for another right. person. So when you first start out, admittedly right you're scared you know you're raising money for the first yeah. time and you you need to care that it's a good investment for them but if they have the money you're kind of like yeah this is good you know this is this is a good deal which it is but you need to understand really what they're looking for and, and make sure if they're investing in things in ira we tell them about ubit tax and udfi we, we explain all things so they come in as knowledgeable investors which should hopefully result in us having less less issues by doing that yeah. Oh, thank you. That's great. So tell us where your business is today. Where, where, where's your focus and, and what's your direction currently? So we have about 2,300 units, I guess, now and another 300, well, 500 or so under contract, I guess, two properties. And uh, people are like, well, how many are you trying to get? I'm like, there's not really a number. 
per se. We did say we wanted to do, we, we've done 1,200 and some this year already. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, if there are enough good deals out there, we'll keep buying. They're not going to stop. Why, why would we if we can keep going? Um, and then, you know, we have the education piece. We've been helping people over the last year. And I mentioned October of this year, we kicked off kind of our, our coaching program. And I've gotten, we kind of fell into that by accident, wasn't even planned. Kind of an event happened that kind of put us in that, threw us into that. And then now we're like in love with it, both my wife and I. And we do events three times a year. Um, and it, it's it's seeing people that can potentially take action and change their entire family history it's just unbelievable to me it's what happened to me because i was in a rut where i was doing it i'm an it company making actually a lot of money um but that sleeping three hours a night uh ignoring my wife completely at the time that caused some significant significant issues in our marriage and uh i had my people what's your why i'm like well i had to make a change you know about four years ago or i was gonna you know probably family fall apart uh, so you know, I went to Paris for projects and I, you know, Belgium sounds great. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't for me because it, it took too much time away from really what's important to me. Well, thank you. Yeah. We usually ask that question later on, but it, it's <laughs> such an important part just to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And, and that's amazing. And for people who, who hear 2,300 units, it, it's, it's a lot. And they, they probably are sitting here listening. Well, wow. How, how could I ever, even achieve just getting to one property. So what's an actual step for someone today if they're looking to, for multifamily to get them started? Yeah, if they're going to get started, I mean, the fundamental is the education piece, which they can get a lot of, a lot of different ways and books and podcasts and online, things like that. But end of the day, I think the first question anyone has to ask themselves is really, am I willing to partner with somebody? Yes or no. If they say no, then it's a pretty easy, you're limited to what you can do with your own net worth and pulse of liquidity. Um, you can only go so high. If someone says I'm open to partnering with somebody, then it's limitless what you can do. And end of the day, if you call a broker and say, hey, I'm brand new to multifamily and I'm a great guy and I'm looking for properties, one discussion, call them up and say, hey, my partners and I, it has to be true, right? Partners and I own whatever, pick a number, thousand plus units, we're actively looking in your area, we bought you know four properties already this year and we want to see what you guys have in the market total total different discussion and instant credibility through somebody else's story and track record yeah that's what it comes down to yeah pre-framing the story is everything especially when you're just getting yourself your, your traction so for your group how, how do you how do you source what you're looking for in terms of assets you're looking to buy what would something for you are you buying where you are in texas are you creating yeah. other markets or what, what's, yeah. what's something that that sets up parameters for you so you can make a quick decision and whether it, it garners further look so it's been let me see uh 14 months since we bought in dallas unfortunately but that's function of the market we own a lot of properties here uh, i personally don't don't get it anymore here cap rates so low i just i just don't see it uh, so we started buying about 800 units in Atlanta this year and a couple, in my mind, a couple of years, probably behind Dallas, we bought some in Memphis, more for cash flow. So our, our strategies changed a little bit. Uh, you know, we bought a lot of properties in the past that required almost, you know, down to the stud rehab and there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's nothing wrong with having that in your portfolio, but this whole concept that the, the market appreciation is going to continue, which it, it could, could not. 
and focus more on what's a little bit known, either force appreciation, I can improve the property through management or rehab, um, but something that's cash flowing in the markets that probably don't fluctuate as much as some of the other markets where we look for your typical job growth, population growth. But some of the places we're looking, the job growth isn't isn't huge, um, but it's more kind of steady. It doesn't, doesn't fluctuate as much with the, the economy. So we, we kind of have a mixture of, of properties. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. So your business, do you use third-party management? Can you tell us a little bit more about your team and how, how, you, how you partner yourself to make yourself have the best economies of scale going into a certain market? Right. So we, we leverage our current relationships originally in Dallas. So we, even people looking, back to your point, for looking in a, in, to get started, I encourage them to build relationships in the current market first. Even if they say, well, I'm not interested in it. Well, maybe not today. There might be a time that you can, but it's a lot easier to go have lunch uh, with somebody that's, you know, within an hour of you versus someone that's, you know, a plane ride away. So build those relationships. We did. We were buying in Dallas. We go to a new city. I call the guys here that I know, brokers, and say, hey, I'm going to such and such city. Can you make an introduction? Which they do. Instant credibility because somebody else is introducing me. Typically, they'll kind of build you up, you know, kind of, you know, one of those things. I build them up too. And uh, it gives you the credibility when you go to a new market. Um, but we use third-party management. People keep saying, why don't you do your own property management? And I'm like, ah, I, I, won't, I won't, wouldn't do it myself. Maybe have someone that would be in that, but we're not really interested right now in doing third-party property management. I'm not anyways. That's a whole nother uh, business. It's a whole new, another business. It is. <laughs> Um, but I think building your team locally and then find, we, we, you know, it might take us four attorneys to find the one attorney we really like, right. For SEC attorneys, an example, yeah. like now we have them. And, uh, we went to Atlanta. We struggled with some of the property management there. And now we have the, I'll say perfect, but we have who we need there now and contractors. And so it takes a while. That's why if you leverage, you know, hook up with somebody that's doing it, people think, oh, there's a, potentially a cost involved no there's an investment involved but you're if you take action you'll get it back way more than what you put into it yeah i love that i love that what's a learning experience you've had over this point it's just something maybe a setback that that you take and you've used that to grow yourself and your business sure yeah you probably have enough time on the podcast to go through (laughs) everything but uh we've had some hard lessons learned that we tell people and i want to share them Probably the hardest lesson I've learned, we actually had a a partner that was already in a deal and he wanted us to buy his partner out, his current partner out of the deal. It's a little complicated, but our partner had a deal and we bought his other partner out. Well, um, I won't go into all the details, but let's just say it was not what was, uh, it should be. Uh, Things not recorded, things not disclosed, whatever it might be, right? Uh, so in that situation, we inherited, if you want to say the sins of the company, where if we would have said, well, hey, we're going to treat it as a new transaction altogether, buy it. There's some downsides to do that for sure. The loan, everything, right? Fees. But in this situation, I personally would never buy into a partnership like that again, ever. That's already existing because it, it's uh, in this situation, it worked out where we got rid of that partner, you know, legally. And he did some things that he shouldn't be doing. And now we're, we're faced with those issues. And he just, he just washes his hands. I'm done. It's like, dude, you know. So, um, unfortunately, I would say, you know, be very reluctant in trusting people. It might sound kind of a little bit 
brash, but be very reluctant and don't give people too much time to prove themselves. If it's a management company and they're not doing what they should do, you give them some room, but don't give them too much room because end of the day, you know, it, it's not about being nice to somebody. It's a business. You take other people's money in, it's even more important. So you might have to make those decisions that are hard, but they're not hard for me to make. They're really not. Um, but some people, if you don't have the gut to say, Hey, I'm going to get rid of somebody. My partner was supposed to be a friend, right? Made it even harder, but, um, it was the right thing to do. Wow. Talk about a learning lesson. That's amazing. Oh, wow. That, that was, that's wow. my biggest, you know, learning lesson in, in it's, uh, you know, fortunately our basis is fairly low in the property, but you know, we, you know, for example, a payable is not recorded. You're not talking $10,000 talking like $300,000 never recorded ever. So things like that. So that's a lesson in my opinion, I would never do buy another partner out of an existing deal. How long do you wait? I, it's a, it's, it's a hard thing to ask and, and put a time value on it, but say you have a, let's say property management. If property management is not coming through in, your, in the way you want, what would be a time frame that you would give them before you, you make yeah. and how so this you one, make, How would you make that change? Would you tell them and give them 30 days or would you just make yeah. a clean break and you know, change shirts that day? Well, so the second question would be more, it's going to be dependent typically on your agreement. You know, you can make the, and that's a, that's another point. Make sure you have a 30 day out of any property management agreement without cause. I don't like you, <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. Whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. It's without cause. I can get re, re, uh, release you. You could release, release them that day. You're probably going to own for the 30 days. In this situation, we, um, you know, it's a little more complicated because we actually have a, a board of directors that oversees this property with an SEC attorney from Harvard and, you know, some pretty high caliber guys, but, uh, this one really within two months, we knew things weren't working out, which is pretty fast. And, um, after that, it took us about, um, you see almost two months legally to get him out. Wow. And, uh, so, you know, I would, I don't know what the right number is. You know, every time a management company takes over, they always have the, the excuse, which is sometimes legitimate. Oh, we get, we're getting rid of the bad people. Yeah, you know, they, the old guys released to, you know, so occupancy goes down, not uncommon. Well, at a certain point in time, you need to start going back up, right? I mean, yeah, it's yes. like these excuse forever. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would say you would have a conversation with them first. I think out of, you know, if you think they have, if, that, if they're doing something unethical, then I think it's immediate. And you just let them go and you, you worry about having to pay them their fees if you, if you need to. I mean, that's my opinion. If they're doing something, hey, they're not performing a frank conversation with them like, Hey, this is not going the way it's planned and you need to step it up. And what are you doing? You know, I don't like it when a property management company says, Oh, we're going to do this now. It's like, well, why were you trying that before? Like why, why are these new concepts? They're not right. But, um, you're probably two months in That's my cool. mind is enough time to see some sort of results. Of course it's hard during like November, December, right. You know, um, cause of holidays, but if you're not, if it's going, reverse and there's no real story, then I would just dump them, unfortunately. No, I love that. I mean, it's, it's not personal and you're, you're bringing other people's investments. So you have to have metrics that you stick them to and, and take action. So thank you. Cause it's oh, yeah. for us, we're learning just, you know, making sure that we're keeping the rhythm with our property managers and it's just, they have a plan. And if all of a sudden they come with this red herring and they say, well, we're going to do this magical yeah. thing today. Well, where did, where was that day one when we talked to her? Why is that? The oh yeah. Today? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. it takes a while to, and it's end of the day, you can have the best property management company on the planet. You really can. 
but it's who's who is there, who's the face of the property on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. How can the same property literally be 95% occupied with a manager and then 80% occupied with another manager? Price stay the same, property staying the same, locations the same, it's the it's the people. It's a business. No other business. How can someone go and become a new CEO of a company and just take it from, you know, whatever to whatever, and someone else goes in there and runs it down? Yes, it's, it's people. It's people. No, it most is. definitely. Well, this is this is going on on sort of your educational group uh, tangent on your educational group. What steps would you give somebody either in your educational group or just anybody new to this business? What actionable steps would you give them to get started? Yeah, so I would say, you know, education for sure. I mean, read some books, podcasts, bigger pockets, you know, all those type of things. That stuff is all free, pretty much, almost free. Um, and you can get the knowledge first. Then I would say you have to define your criteria. That's your next step. And it's, it's you know, number of units and price and location and all those things. But I think you can't even do that until you decide whether you're going to partner with somebody or not. Because we were, we were trying to buy in Atlanta and we weren't able to for a while. We were trying to buy. We partnered with somebody there that had experience there and we got deals kind of right away. So if you build those relationships with partners, if you say I'm not going to partner, it's pretty easy. But you're going to partner. And like I just gave an example of a pretty, you know, bad partnership, mm-hmm. but we still partner with people, right? And still learn from them. But if you figure out who you're going to partner with, you know, net worth wise and what the skill set they have, it totally changes what you can do. You don't have to do it all by yourself. That's the key. People, I see people all the time. Should I buy a two unit because I can buy it by myself? You can. We started small, but you're going to spend just as much time doing that as buying a big unit. We have someone right now that we, we helped and he built, he bought a 60 unit in April and he's buying 320 plus unit right now. And just awesome. this year, just started another guy, his first unit with his prop, property was 80 units. Um, big for your first property mm-hmm. but they can't do it on their own it's mm-hmm. people like oh, i don't like that well it's political i'm sorry that's the way the world works and if you don't have a story you're not going to get a deal unless you way overpay yeah, yeah. it's true so, and what makes a great partnership yes. what would some what are points that would stand out to you that you said and of course this is a point but what, what's some key aspects you would look for in a partner yeah i say someone that has something you don't have so people come to me and say, well, I don't really have that much net worth. I don't think I can do a deal. I'm like, can you find a deal? Oh, I think I can find a deal. Can you raise money? Can you? So someone that has something you don't have compliments you is, is great. Um, and someone that has not just the uh, same goals with you, but kind of treats people the same as you. So if someone treats people completely different than the way you treat them, then you're going to get associated with their, your, their reputation is going to somehow come on you and your reputation. We kind of mix somewhat. It's, you know, my what Mark and Tammy, it's not Mark or Tammy, it's Mark and Tammy. So, you know, someone does something wrong or treats someone differently then it's reflected on both of you. So make sure the softer skill side too, um, is there treat people the same, you don't have to be the same people, but if someone's really harsh to somebody and someone's really, you know, they're not, then you need to be mindful of that. And then, you know, if someone says, well, I'm not very good at numbers, I'm like, well, go find a partner that's good at numbers. It's pretty, you know, I mean, it's, that's, that's pretty easy. They have a skill set that you don't have. They might, not, they might not be good at raising money, which isn't uncommon, right? Because um, they're good at numbers. So it's a great, great marriage that way. 
Wow. Nice. I really like that. That's great. I, the, the point about just finding someone who treats people in the same way and hopefully in the, the care find light that you do is, is a point that you should really listen to out there. Cause that's, that's it. You want to make environments better for other people and you have to make sure that that partner has the same mindset as you. So thank you. That, that's yeah. awesome. Oh yeah. And if, if your gut's telling you like, Oh, I don't know about this person either one of two things you dig more or you walk away. Right. I mean, you, you dig until you're like, well, I don't know. I still don't feel good about the, the partnership. Yep. Don't, don't let money skew you. I mean, it, and, and women typically have much more intuition than guys do. They do. Uh, so listen to your wives, um, guys, <laughs> whatever, whoever. And they, it's true. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I believe me. I don't. I've lived there. I've done that. And, um, but that, that's the key. If your gut tells you something's not right, Usually, you know up front that, hey, maybe this, the guy we, we partnered with, he had everybody, not us. He had tons of people fooled, you know, Harvard attorney. I mean, he had people, people fooled, but not most, most people can't get away with that. Yeah. It's an exception, sectional con artist that can get away with that. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. So I want to, I want to take it. This is a little off script, but I kind of want to delve into partnerships a little bit, especially sure. with your partnership with your wife, because you said she works with you in the educational group. Does she also uh, uh, syndicate and raise money with you as well? She talks about the deals. She can, she can do deal analysis, but really she focuses more on the education side as nice. far as events. We put three events on, um, three two-day events a year, which is a big deal. And she does a lot of more of the social media and things like that. So a lot of the things that I would have said before, well, that's, that's not quite as important as what I do, right? I, I find deals and I raise money. Well, I can tell you that that side is equally or more important than, than what I do. So understanding your partner that just because you think you do something different than them doesn't mean it's more valuable. Um, you know, if you raise money, well, if there's no deals, you can't raise money. If you find deals and can't raise money, then you're, you're, you're dead too, right? At end of the day, everything's going to be, I think I'm doing more than somebody else. They think they're doing more than somebody else in a partnership. I would treat it deal by deal and have categories set up with percentages. Who finds a deal gets a certain percent, who raises the money and prorate it deal by deal. That way you get, you get away from this somewhat, you know, someone thinks they're doing more than somebody else on a deal. So we meet couples all the time and, and the, the, the wife can't convince the husband that real estate's a good idea or the real estate or the Vice husband versa. can't convince yeah. the wife and all of a sudden there's a stalemate and they can't do anything because someone can't do something. Did you start real, into real estate first and then vice versa? Your wife said, I did. Good. So got married. did you get yeah. over that hurdle to talk? There was no hurdle actually with her. I got married when I was 23. I already had, I guess, just one or two properties at the time. And uh, my wife would buy everything possibly possibly buy for letter um, from a real estate, real estate. She's good on other areas, but real estate wise, she gets that, she has the bug and she sees the value in it. We didn't struggle with that. We struggled a lot more when I was doing too much of the IT and she didn't understand what I was doing. And, you know, I was sleeping three hours a night and that was more of a struggle. But for real estate, for us, fortunately, it hasn't been a struggle. Nice. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. I love that. No, yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> it's, it's 
refreshing because we, yes. we tell people that it, you, you both have to be on the same path or it's not going to be a viable option for each of you. Just like the IT was maybe not the right direction right. for you overall. It's the same thing with real estate. If both can't agree, it's going to be a fight. It's not going to be a happy right. environment for anybody. Even if you're having success in that part, your relationship's going to struggle. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should get her on the podcast. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can have her. She's, she's phenomenal. Do you have a morning routine or anything that sets your day up to, to get you started? I don't. I mean, I get up early. I just, I just do and kind of go to bed late. I don't have to, I don't really sleep that much. I don't require a lot of sleep. So I try to go to the gym. I figure out if I don't go to the gym in the morning, I'm not going. So I know myself from there. So um, that's the main thing I'll do. But Unfortunately for me, my routine is usually I get up and grab my phone and and uh, or computer and and uh, I don't really I don't really take much downtime for myself like people do and it's something you need to work on and balance. So about going about between the kids and my wife, the only thing I would get is uh, is a gym maybe as far as out of the. But even then, I have my phone with me, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, but no no real routines. I'm guilty. I've been trying to work on that aspect too of of just the already set go activity phone in hand right um, yeah i'm up really early and i'll yeah. i'll just start going you know so i would say as much as possible if you can do it where you know certain times you say hey you're not gonna check your phone and then i don't do that but i i need to actually and uh i'm gonna i actually told my son today i'll start doing that at certain times so we'll see uh, well, good, good for you you have to pr promise your son because you know he'll uh he'll keep he'll, he'll, oh yeah he'll hold me accountable <laughs> he will. So you gave us an awesome why. What are what are some words you live by? You know, I have to give back to people. You know, people think and, and don't have scarcity. So when you you're sitting there going, social media even if someone another syndicator gets a deal, don't be like, well, I don't want to like that post because I, don't, I might take investors away from me. I can tell you without a doubt, if you give and you are encouraging the people and you're actually you know thankful that they're doing doing well then it will more than come back without and if it doesn't oh well but i can tell you by being a giver no doubt it'll come back nice i love that thank you that's some good words yeah <laughs> well what is what are the best ways to find you if people are looking to get to know you either get to on your educational platform or even invest with you how can they get a hold of you so our website is uh, thinkmultifamily.com so just thinkmultifamily.com and my email is mark m-a-r-k at thinkmultifamily.com and love to talk to people I mean, especially real estate I mean, you get going a few things i like real estate cars and, and ufc so that's right. a lesson learned for people raising money. People think, oh, I just go to pitch a deal. No, you get to know them, find common denominators between the two of you, whether it's family, whether it's kids, uh, sports, and talk about that. Yeah, nice. I was going to say we can uh, talk a little bit about uh, UFC off camera later. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'll it'll it will take too much time probably right now. <laughs> That's it. Well, this is awesome, Mark. I really enjoyed this. We've learned a ton. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so no, much. No, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Again, this is the REI Foundation podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you again so much to Mark Kenny, and thank you to you for listening. So grateful. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.